Hey, what's up? What's going on? My name is Jason. You can call me JBay. This podcast, Blissful Prospecting, is for reps and sales teams that love landing big meetings with their prospects, but hate it when they go to write a cold email and they spend a bunch of time doing that and they send it and the prospect never even responds. So if that's ever happened to you or someone on your team, you're definitely in the right place. Today, I'm super excited. We're talking to Mitch Pelroy, AE at BombBomb. Let's get to the episode. You know, I've talked about this on the podcast a lot, but I don't know about you, but I played sports, you know, growing up, never did anything competitive, you know, at the collegiate level or anything like that. But I was a first team all, uh, all league basketball player at a small school <laughs> of 600 people in Brookings, Oregon, if that gives you any insight. So I, I'm fairly athletic, you know, was decent at basketball, but was definitely very competitive. And the reason why I bring that up is I think that sports analogies get used a ton in sales. And oftentimes there's this, I almost think it's like a misconception now where when we're hiring folks, we look for people that like played sports and we're like, oh, if they played sports, they're competitive and like all this other stuff. Right. And I used to think the same way when I was hiring sales reps, I used to think about like, who would I want to work with me? And like, I want really competitive people. And I thought that sports were like a really good way to kind of filter that out. And I've actually changed my mind on that. And our guest today, Mitch, he is an athlete, <laughs> you know, he is someone that uh, he's injured right now, which he's going to talk about, but he's trying to make it as a professional football player, which is super cool. So super athletic, very good at football. He's even had people talk to him about playing professional baseball, which is really cool. But the reason why I bring this up is he talks about what he learned from sports and how it helped him, you know, as a BDR and an SDR and now as an AE. And I just, while you're listening to this, if you're not like into sports or didn't really play sports, I just want to point out, I think you can still get a lot from this because most of the sales teams I work with are filled with people that didn't play sports. So you don't need to have played sports in order to get some of those takeaways. I think that you get from sports around tenacity is a word that I would use to describe Mitch. When it comes to learning and just getting better at like the game of sales, the dude is just tenacious. I mean, He's going to tell a story about how his first week or two on the job, he you know went up to all of the top reps at the company and basically said, hey, I'd like to learn from you so I can beat you. <laughs> like, how cool is that? So he's going to get into that. He's going to talk about his role as an SDR and then as a BDR. So what it was like moving from inbound to outbound and then now as an AE, what that career trajectory was like, how he was able to get promoted. So you're going to get a ton there. And there's just, per usual, tons of actionable prospecting tips as well. Before we get to this episode, though, I put together a document. So I know you're listening to this podcast, but these episodes are typically 45 minutes to an hour plus. And if you only have like five or 10 minutes to consume some stuff real quick, I put together a one-page document that I keep updated with our best bite-sized prospecting content. So if you're looking for something that you can read or listen to in like five to 10 minutes that will help you like send better cold emails, make better cold calls, you know, personalize, sequence better, whatever it might be, uh, you can grab that cheat sheet at blissfulprospecting.com slash Jason, J-A-S-O-N. So blissfulprospecting.com slash Jason, and then you'll get a uh, one pager with my best bite-sized prospecting content that you can implement in about five or 10 minutes. And that's all I got for today. Let's get to the interview. So uh, the reason why we're talking today, obviously, is I hit up you know, Ethan, him and I had a conversation. He's like, you got to talk to Mitch. <laughs> so uh, we're talking today. I figured a good place to start though, man, would be 
you have sort of an interesting journey, right? in how you got into sales, yeah. which we were talking about before we hit record here. So how did you get into sales? Yeah. So for me, I worked in restaurants. I worked in, you know, warehouses. I went to Alaska, worked on a commercial fishing boat. Like those are the things that I did growing up. Um, I was moved to Colorado. I was working in a restaurant and one of my, was one of my current coworkers. I came into the restaurant that I was working at and I ended up waiting on his table. And just from our conversation at the table, he felt as if, you know, I was a fit for bomb bomb in some way, shape or form. And so he brought it up. He, uh, I think I spoke a little bit about money, like, man, I wish I could do a little more as I was waiting tables. And he's like, well, actually, you know, have you ever thought about this? And so sat down, had some dinner with him and he told me about the company and long story short, he ended up bringing me into the office itself. I got to meet one of my first times in there. I got to meet Bud Leaders, the VP of sales. I got to meet all these people and kind of get my foot in the door. And then I got to apply and, you know, got my foot in the door as an SDR. I did apply as an AE. I wanted to come in and be an account executive right off the bat. That's what I wanted to do. And that spot was taken. And so it was actually like my first, you know, big boy job. And I was like, well, I'll take that start as an SDR. I don't even know what that means, but I'll do it and let's get going. And that's really how it started. And I started as a inbound, you know, we handled all the inbound leads, vetted the prospects and set the demos for the account executive. So from my first day of being hired, I told everyone there that my goal was to become an account executive. And that's been my goal since. And you know, every day you just kind of make progress towards that and it finally happens. <laughs> so did you ever like ever see yourself getting into sales? Not specifically. I know that I have the the gift to gab, yeah. right? I could talk to anybody. My dad being Navy, I moved a lot. So I was actually a super shy, awkward, quiet kid growing up. I did not like talking to people. I was not about it. But being forced to move every three years, you're thrown into a new school. You're thrown into a new place. You have to make new friends or you're by yourself. So I now can talk to anybody and everybody. So I never thought I would specifically get into sales. I, football is really my primary goal, dream. I played football professionally in the RPFL, went to CFL for a little bit and uh, for camp and stuff. So that's where my head always was. And then now that I have started sales, you know, I see another avenue that is opened just from my conversations with leadership and senior representatives at the place. Cause I mean, I'm doing well, I fit into that role well. And so, you know, the possibilities really are kind of, kind of endless. <laughs> so, I mean, do you have, the reason why I ask is like, whenever people talk about it, I, I don't know if I've interviewed a single person on this podcast that like wanted to be a salesperson, you know, That's fair. Uh, like growing <laughs> up, like usually when I talk in front of people, we could actually do that in person. I always like, Hey, did anyone hear, like, what did you want to be when you grow up? Yeah, whatever. It's like policemen, firemen, et cetera. I, no one ever says, I wanted to go into sales. No. Yet it's a career that a lot of people end up in. So if we backtrack a little bit, there's some other interesting stuff too about you around like athletics. So like sports were like a pretty big part of your life. It sounds like in high school and college. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And now till. Yeah, I uh, so high school, I did football, basketball, track. I was a three sport athlete at all times. Ended up in like, you know, the school's hall of fame and all those good things. I did well, got a scholarship for football as well as cheer. I was the first male cheerleader at my college and kind of helped build that program there. So I balanced between football, cheer, going to school and working a job because I had to pay my bills. So uh, college was very busy for me. I dove into all of my sports. And then outside of that, I got drafted into the Rivals Professional Football League. I went out to go play ball in Miami. That got me looks to go to camping for CFL. So I went to camp out there, pulled my hammy, unfortunately, 
it's a business. And so I moved out to Colorado and started working at restaurants and stuff like that to get my feet on the ground and get back to working. And it led to working at BombBomb to be able to pay the bills for combines, for supplements, for training, for all of those things that come along with trying to play sports professionally. And, you know, fortunately, recently tore my Achilles. And so that sucks, but I'm in rehab right now with all of that. And, you know, so I make sales and bomb on my priority to save, to get myself right and keep a nice roof over the head. And, you know, if I can get back to being paid for sports, I 100% would. Uh, there's no question about that. Yeah. I couldn't pass that opportunity up if it came. But if it doesn't, this is a blessing in disguise, something I, like I never expected. I didn't go, yes, a salesperson is what I want to be. And typically, especially growing up, my thought of a salesperson is like, you know, the gimmicky, hey, I'm going to be this and like, you know, sell you. And then you have the bad concepts of, you know, when I was younger, of like, oh, they're being sly or this, that and the other. And I'm just like, oh, that's not me. That's not going to be for me. And it turns out it's not even close to how it is, like, especially a bomb bomb. And so I think I got really lucky with the company that I work at, their values, and then just learning the right way to sell, being there for somebody to help to like, Hey, I, you know, I'm here to provide a service to help you with what you need to. And I truly believe that I do help people. If they have these pain points or anything like that, I truly think that I can make an impact and sales, especially like we're in control of our paychecks. So getting more sales genuinely has an impact on that individual's life. And so having that mindset behind why I'm working at BombBomb really makes it fun for me. And it makes it like a fulfilling and enjoyable job. And it's not even close to what I ever imagined sales would be like. So let's unpack that a little bit because you got like kind of the sports thing going on. You got the sales thing going on. You train a lot as an athlete. And I'm curious, like as an SDR, when you started in that position, did you take anything from sports or any of like the other stuff that you're doing in that land? Did any of that like have a connection with what you were doing as an SDR in terms of you know, mindset, skills, anything like that, that helped you that you saw a connection with? Competitiveness. I a hundred, I'm a competitive person. I like to win. And it can be the littlest thing. I still want to win. One day when I have children, I'm not going to let them beat me just to be nice. I'm going to win. And when they beat me, they burned it. So like, you know, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of mindset came with me. And when I came into being like an SDR, first thing I wanted to do is, okay, I now want to be the best SDR I could be. And any sport that I came into, any position, any place I was put, I want to be the best that I could possibly be. So having that mindset when I showed up helped me a ton because the first thing I started doing is asking the people that were already there, what are you doing? I would go talk to the best people in each position. How are you doing this? Teach me what I need to do so that I can beat you. And, you know, I would take all the notes that I could. I would talk to leadership. They recommended books and I'm not a reader. I just simply, I'm not a huge fan of reading. And so I started doing audible and getting audio books, which is something I've never done for personal growth and stuff like that. And I just took every recommendation that I could. And there was one of my coworkers that took a similar path to what I took. Uh, she came in as an SDR, but she got to go straight to an AE because she did such a good job. And so I was like, I want to do that. So I went and talked to her and I was like, what did you do? What did you read? What numbers were you hitting? And I just tried to mirror or do better than the people before me. And that leads to just a good path. And so having that competitive drive and like, I like to know things. I don't want to be on a demo. I don't want someone to ask me a question and I don't know the answer for a product that I'm working with. So since I have that like thirst for knowledge behind what I'm doing, 
asking these questions. So that way, you know, I may not know the first time or I make a mistake once I won't make it a second time. The next time that question comes up, I have an answer. And so those kinds of things just helped me learn through trial and error. And then, you know, always every day you can see where your number's at. You see where everybody else is at. So having that competitive drive to get activities in, to get these videos out, to truly help people and make connections. When I was ready to leave for the day, I'm going to make one more call because I'm not in first place. I mean, if I was, I'm going to make one more call so that person doesn't catch me because I want to show that I can do, you know, what they need me to do to move up the ladder. So I think that side of sports helped me a ton. And I don't know, because this seems obvious to someone, I think, in sports, like I was telling you before, I, sports were a big part of my life, did not compete at the level it sounds like you, you've competed <laughs> at and are competing at right now. But it's still kind of that same, like the emulating thing that you talked about. When I wanted to get better at basketball, what did I do? I just, I watched a lot of people. I tried to talk to all the best athletes. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't the best player on the team, I wanted to like really talk to and emulate them. And it, it seems obvious, but people don't do this usually when they get into a sales role. Can you talk about, and again, this might seem really obvious, like how did you approach the top reps on the team and the people doing better than you when you were first getting on, uh, started at Bomb Bomb? Like, how did you ask him for help? <laughs> you know, I yeah. think that might help some people. No, so like, I am a very uh, straightforward person. I'm a straight shooter. I don't sugarcoat things. If I'm thinking it, I will say it. And so when I came in, I literally walked up to, so Patrick was the gentleman that uh, helped me in there. He was one of our senior AEs. He was crushing his number all the time, top of the boards. And I literally went up to him and I was like, hey, I want to beat you. So can I shadow you for a little bit to see what you're doing? I literally told him that. And a lot of these other sales reps have the same competitive mentality and they almost respect the fact that like, that they take it as a challenge, like, all right, buddy, good luck, you know, but yeah, come on, check this out. And so the numbers start getting close and then they're like, wait a minute. Hey, but you know, it's, uh, that's exactly how I did it is I was like, Hey, I want to be the best that I can be at this role. My goal is to beat everybody else here, but I've never done this before. And I don't even know where to start. So like when you first started as a rep, what are three things that you wish you knew? And I asked every rep that because a lot of them said the same things, but every once in a while you got something different. And so you can kind of stack this little database of, okay, all these reps, what they wish they did when they first started were these things. I'm going to make sure I do all of these things when I start, because if they wish they did, well, that means it's probably a good idea for me to do that. And so like, that's exactly how I did it. And when I would, you know, knock on the door to our VP or anything like that, knock, knock, Hey, I've been told to do some of these things. I was kind of thinking this, what are your thoughts? Because they like when you bring your ideas to the table and like, what is my thought process? How do I operate? Cause no two reps operate the exact same. And having that back and forth play of like, what makes me, me, but what makes the best reps the best and trying to put that all together so I can make my own version of like the best rep that I can be. Yeah. I love this man because from a leadership standpoint, dude, it just warms your heart to see a rep come in. That's super hungry and is like taking a lot of initiative. Like you want to help that person, you know? So you're doing that stuff. And I think by being very vocal about it and showing people, it becomes very obvious. Like Mitch is like, He's not here to fuck around. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, a hundred percent. And even they said that, I mean, whenever I asked like, what else could I do? One of their tips were show initiative, ask questions. If you don't know, ask, watch other people. Like they all gave the same stuff of like, show initiative, take action. 
you know, stay in our ear. Let us know. Because like my goal was to be an AE. I made sure that I brought up a sentence about me becoming an AE once or twice a month, just so they know, like in my one-on-ones, hey, what are your goals? To be an AE, that didn't change. Okay, well, how do we get there? I need to lead the board in this, this, and this. In order to make that happen, I need to do this, this, and this. So being able to really lay out these plans and using the framework, I didn't reinvent the wheel. All the senior reps, all the AEs, all of my leadership gave me the framework. I just had to plug in how I can make that happen. And I think that helped me a ton. And again, the competitive nature of just, you know, being like, hey, I'm going to catch you. I'm going to let you know. But by the way, what do you say when when this happens? Right. (laughs) And so you can really just learn from everybody and, and take all the best parts from every person and try to put it all in one. In the shadowing thing, I think is so important in a digital world right now or in a remote world, excuse me. Ask a rep if you could just have them hop on a Zoom call with them, have them share their screen and just like watch them like do their thing for 30 minutes, you know? hundred percent. You mentioned that you ask people about books and I always like to ask, was there anything that you listened to or read or any other resources that like you found extremely helpful? So one, Play Bigger. Play Bigger was a really, really good book. And this one just helped open my eyes on more of like how the companies operate. What are their ideas? Why how, the background of like business? Cause I just, I didn't oh, know. Interesting. And then rehumanize. This is one that was written by our owners. So they told us of course to check out the book. I'm not a big reader and I actually read this book. I didn't audible this one. I actually read it. And it's one of the first books I've read in a very long time. So I'm low key kind of proud of that, but like really good book, the way he writes, the way that it's very conversational and it's relatable. It made me go, wow, that makes sense. This is why I'm doing this. I'm not just here to sell things. There's a purpose. There's a reason. So play bigger, rehumanize. And I would have to go onto my audible to figure out the other, there's one more that I listened to that was really good. Gosh, Daniel told me to read this one and I can't think of the name of it right now. If you think of it, we could circle back to it, man. Play Bigger, I think is a really good, I have not read that book. And what it sounds like it does is, you know, one of the, I think big things with people that are just getting into sales is business acumen. Yes. If we're going to be talking to leaders and business owners, it's like kind of knowing a little bit about the ins and outs of a business. Totally. Because that's like, for example, I never was a B2B rep. I sold business to consumer. The way I got into B2B was like running a business and starting a business. But that helps me a lot when I'm prospecting because I know what it's like to manage a team of people. I know what it's like to run a business. Like I know like a lot of these different things. So I think that's really big. Looks like you were going to say something. Did you remember the book? Yes, it was the Challenger Sale. Uh, ah, the Challenger okay. Sale yep. is the other one that I was uh, told to read, and that helped a lot. And I think the Challenger Sale fits my personality well, so it helped me really kind of frame mm-hmm. how to have some of these conversations. And like you said, the business acumen has helped so much. Uh, now that I've been here for almost two years, I've learned a ton. Everything I've learned is brand new. I didn't know any of this before. And so it helps me a ton. Like you said, navigate a conversation, understand what your pain points are and why and how I actually help them. And I can talk to the points that are relevant instead of just trying to like, oh no, but this works, Mm -hmm. right? I can actually talk to like the specifics and use the same language. So they're like, wow, he actually knows what he's talking about. I'm not talking to somebody who's just here to talk. Like this is business. And so being able to kind of have that talk track or having that that knowledge to have that conversation has helped tremendously. Love it. Let's kind of segue a little bit into your role as a BDR. 
on the outbound side? Because that's kind of what this podcast is all about, right? Is the the outbound prospecting, that sort of yeah. stuff. Was there anything you struggled with when you had to move from inbound to outbound at first? Oh, boy. Oh, of course. Uh, that one, one, just the type of conversations you have are completely different. Yep. Reaching out to someone who's been like, I'm going to start a free trial. I want to learn about this is way easier. Hey, you started a free trial, wanted to see how I could help. You know, what are you using? What are your goals? Right. Very easy. Versus reaching out to cold C-suite executives that don't want to hear from me, that haven't heard of Bomb Bomb, to be like, hey, I'm here to help. Well, who are you? Why are you talking to me? I have a lot of other things to be doing. So one, right off the bat, the language, completely different. And actually, so to help myself, I actually started a little LinkedIn series. I didn't go as long as I wanted or as I should have, but I started off of like a day in the life of a BDR and I asked LinkedIn for help. I was like, hey, today is my first day as a rep as a BDR and let's, I, I don't know what to do. I'm reaching out because like, I want to learn. I'm not here to reinvent a wheel. I am here to just, you know, be really efficient at what I do. Would love any help that anyone can offer. And I'll be doing weekly check-ins just to tell you about my wins, my losses, you know, and, and things that I've learned. And that actually got a ton of feedback. I had people setting time on my calendar just to talk to me and give me tips. I had people calling me just to talk to me and give me tips. And I think that helped me a ton. Just kind of get the framework of, you know, the idea because all of them, get your activities in. You have to get grinding. Like it's going to take time, build your pipeline, make connections. Don't give up, continue to have follow-up. Don't take the first no. I mean, all of these things that really lead to be persistent and don't give up, like continue at your work and the results will come. And so luckily with my athletic backgrounds, like I understand grinding. I have no problem putting my head down and, and just I got to get done. I'm going to get it done. And so that helped me a lot. But I think the biggest the challenge is the language, being able to provide relevance because I didn't know the business world. So it's really hard to provide relevance if I don't know what is relevant to you. And yes, they gave me resources. They gave me things to read and learn from, but it's drinking from a water hose or a fire hose. There's only so much I can like get in there on a daily basis. So it was just this process of every day. I actually ended up blocking off the last 45 minutes of my day every day. And I just titled it, Get More Knowledge. I never told myself exactly what I was going to do, but I know the last 45 minutes of my day, I'm going to get more knowledge in something. Rather, that's watching someone else's demo, listening to other people's cold calls, um, reading part of my book, researching businesses, like doing something to help me get better at my job. And I think that helped me progress much faster um, than I would have if I just kept calling and just kept calling because I was able to add relevance to my conversation much faster, which made people hang up on me less uh, because I was talking to something that they actually cared to hear about um, and I could follow up with. So I think some of those things are like the biggest changes in what I had to do. Dude, I love this. And a big theme, it sounds like for your career and the success you've had in your career is this, you have no ego around asking for help, man. And oftentimes what I see is that people are either too afraid to ask for help because they, you know, they feel shame in asking for help because it's like admitting weakness, essentially that you're not good at something or that you could be better, or they just have an ego around like, you know, just kind of a pompous, if that's a word, the right word sort of mentality. Yeah. I'm the yeah, best. You know, like, yeah. I love that asking for help. That seems to be a big theme. I want to break down some of these things. I love this, like these get more knowledge blocks. 
it was like 45 minutes. So like you block it off at the end of every day. And I love that you're like, Hey, I don't even know what I'm necessarily going to learn, but there's like a, a menu of things that I can fill that time with that are the equivalent of kind of like the sharpening of the ax in that analogy, right? I'm going to sharpen the ax yeah. so that I can get this tree down faster versus just like, okay, I just need to use this dull ax and just go as hard as I can. I need to go faster. I need to do more. And that's how a lot of people approach yeah. prospect. It's like, if I'm not getting the results that I want, I just need more activities. I need to increase the volume, the intensity versus like looking and kind of stepping back and be like, well, how am I doing this? Is there a smarter way, yeah. you know, to do this? A hundred percent. I would love to dig in with this relevance piece with you though. Cause I, I think that's a big challenge I see with the teams we work with is like adding relevance to your outreach and your emails and your calls in a way that the other person cares about. Do you have some examples maybe that you could share of like what you mean? Like what does relevance look like versus not having relevance? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there are tons of ways that you can reach out to people and it, we use video. And so I have the ability to actually communicate, to talk, to, you know, like I'm an animated talker, I use my hands, but when I'm talking to somebody, if I have a conversation, I'm just like, hey, video's awesome. Look at what I'm doing. You could use it too. And this is gonna help you. I told you absolutely nothing about Bomb. I told you absolutely nothing about how it's gonna help. I'm, I told you absolutely nothing. But if I reach out and go, hey, Jason, I was reaching out to you because I noticed that you actually do a ton of podcasts and I see that you're reaching out to clients on the regular. We actually use video just like this to reach out to our clients to start conversations and to build connections. Would something like that actually help you start more conversations and get more people on your podcast? Now I'm talking to things you care about, things that you can think about and be like, well, I mean, I do reach out to a lot of people, you know, little things like that to where I'm not talking just to talk and say that video is awesome. I'm talking to, Hey, this is what I do. This is how we do it. You know, I noticed that you're doing some of the same things. You fit the same meld of people that I talk to. And this is how we solve that problem. Could something like that solve a problem for you? And, you know, I'm not here to say you need bomb bomb, you need video, you need this. I'm like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is how it works. This is how it affects you. Is it worth it to have a conversation to see the true impact? And, you know, that right there is relevance. If I'm reaching out to people that are, you know, in, let's say, real estate, I'm going to be talking about, you know, staying top of mind with your sphere, staying connected with them, you know, building these relationships. If I'm reaching out to a BDR team, you know, how are you getting opens, engagements? When are you following up? Do you have tracking on your emails? You know, how are you starting conversations? What's your open rate right now? Are you even getting people to open your emails? Because those are the KPIs that I care about as a BDR. I want people to open. I want appointments. I want conversations. So talking to what you physically do as an individual in your day-to-day -day is a more relevant conversation than just saying, hey, here's a really cool product. It helps tons of people in so many different ways. Let's have a conversation and see how it could help you. That's just throwing a line in the dark and hoping that someone goes, mm, let's see what he has to say. You know, instead of being like, hey, I see that this, this, and this is happening. Typically, when I work with these types of people, this, this, and this is what we need to fix, and this is how we do it. Does that relate to you, or am I completely missing? Are there other areas you need you're working on, and you know those kinds of things? So that's how I see relevance to talk to what they have to do. Their relevant KPIs, different talking to an individual versus talking to a team. 
you know, I'm talking to a practitioner versus talking to a VP of sales. They have different KPIs, different things they care about. And so knowing that and being able to talk to relevance to that individual is going to make a huge difference on getting someone to respond and say, wow, you spoke to something I care about. Yeah. I mean, you're doing this, you're connecting the dots for the prospect, right? It's like, you're showing them like exactly you're kind of like doing this thing where you're kind of taking them on a journey. Yeah. Taking them on a journey. You're thinking out loud. It's like, here's what I found. Here's why that might be relevant. It's like, you're just taking them through the internal dialogue that you went through when you were trying to make sense of why it would be beneficial for them to meet with you. So this is kind of getting into the topic of some people call it relevance some people call it personalization. Some people say relevance and is what you want. Personalization is just merge tags. I kind of look at all of those, like kind of the same thing, right? Like how are you adding, you know, context into this? So if we were to break down this relevance personalization piece, how did you know what to point out? Like, how did you know what to look for when you're reaching out to someone? Like, did you go on the LinkedIn profile? Did you go on their website? All the above. What did you look for to find a connection back to Bomba? Yeah, all the above. And I mean, one thing I will get like props to Bomba. They give us some amazing resources. We have, you know, like a lot of learning that can be done to help you understand personas, right? I'm talking to CS, I'm talking to sales, I'm talking to marketing, right? What they're looking for, why they're looking for it. So having a background knowledge of just like, what a persona needs, what they care about in a day-to-day. So I got lucky enough to have those resources presented to me. So that alone helps me understand why. Now, each business, each company is different. And then if you go from a company to an individual, that differs even more. So typically, I would start on a company-wide view when I'm prospecting and find companies that I feel like are a good match. You know, rather you're searching by tool stacks, because you know you integrate really well with specific things. If you go by, you know, their mission statements and what the company believes. And so like, hey, we have very similar values. I think this could be a great conversation to have. Would love to work with you. Right. Or sometimes you just catch key phrases where they're like, you know, the client's the most important part, the customer experience. We love our client, right? Those kinds of phrases where I'm like, okay, I think BombBomb could fit into what you guys believe as a company and make that even more real and try to bring their vision to life. I was trying to think of the right way to phrase that. Because if like, hey, you say that your customer's experience is everything. You absolutely pride yourself on providing an experience that's just elevated from everybody else. Well, have you considered using video and actually getting face-to-face and building deeper relationships with your clients instead of just black and white text? Kind of throw something in the dark, but have you ever considered that to be able to start conversations just like what I'm doing right now? If you would like to talk about it, you know, let me know. I would love to be a resource and answer any questions you may have. Very relational, very conversational, very just like, frankly, of, hey, you believe this? Well, I believe we can enhance that by doing this. Do you agree? And so things like that gives me an idea of how the company thinks. Let's pause there real quick. You did something that is so good that I just want to make sure to point out because I talk a lot about values as well. So it's like you're kind of looking at it like, what does this company already value and prioritize? And how can I find a way to align with that? That's very different than saying video needs to be at the top of your priority list and trying to change someone's priorities which is like impossible, dude. No one's going to get a cold yeah. email and look at it and be like so blown away. They're like, oh, wow, I never thought of this. And this is now at the top of my list. But you're yeah. like proactively looking for 
like with the values, I love that, you know, hey, what do they say in their mission statement? Their keywords they use. Do they talk about customer experience? Do they talk about stuff that we also value? And you're finding alignment in those two things. And it's like, I can help you do more of what you already care about. Yes, 100%. Like that, 100%. I agree with that. And it helps start conversations way, way easier. Like, because like you said, you're not changing their values. Yep. You're supporting their values. You're agreeing with them and then offering a way to make it even better or make it more apparent or to improve the business, however you want to think about it. And then you just give them a suggestion, an idea, something they might not have thought of before. So now I'm providing value to the conversation to where like, I haven't thought of that before. How does it work? Yeah. And now you have that curiosity gap that leads to conversation. And so 100%, I think that's a very important part of prospecting. If you skip that, you're missing a whole section of what you could be communicating to towards a company. Sweet, man. You were going to say something before I cut you off. Oh, no, I was just talking like after. So after you go from like the, the company side of things, right, I now go down to an individual. And I'm sure, you know, everybody's LinkedIn is so different. You have the people that are active. You have people that haven't even put a photo. You have some that post every day and some that never even look at it. So, you know, LinkedIn shows you a very wide range of, you know, an insight. Sometimes it's great insights and you can see their favorite teams and you can see, you know, where they went to college. And sometimes you get VP of sales. Well, that doesn't give me that much. Right. And so you use LinkedIn to pull out or any other platform just to pull out more information. Because if I can connect with, you know, if I could connect with Jason, Jason can help me connect with the company. But I'm going to bring conversations that I see the company. Hey, I see the company values X, Y, and Z. But maybe if I see that, you know, you're a fan of a certain team or I see that, you know, you love cars or you take pride in something, I've put on like shirts that match their logos or I've put on, you know, I've had pulled up like really cool cars because they show that they have really big interest in like classic cars. So I'll do a screen recording. And I'll drop to some classic cars and be like, oh man, I saw that you're into this. These are some cars that I've actually, I love myself. But anyways, I wanted to talk about and then get back to it. I use whatever I need to, to build a curiosity gap to get them to open my email so I can deliver relevant information. And so I've used the first three seconds of that video and I've done so many random things from I've danced, I've had dogs in the video because they love pets. Oh my gosh, look at my dog too. We're like friends already. And I'm trying to connect with people and actually connect with an individual, but lead it to a business conversation. Hey, I noticed you guys really pride yourself in X, Y, and Z, right? I've now connected with you. So I brought in a dog because we both like dogs. Oh, hey, no, talk about this. Anyways, you know, I saw on the website that you guys really pride yourself in X, Y, and Z. With you being the VP of sales, I'm sure you would agree that doing this, this, and this is important. You know, would love to have a conversation around this. We typically do X, Y, and Z, right? Those kinds of top tracks. So I get attention. I build a, like a connection. Here's why I'm reaching out. Here's the relevance call to action. Is there a way for us to continue this conversation? Is it worth it for us to continue this conversation? And that's kind of like the path that I would take because I can pull, you get so much information out of that. And everyone has like different descriptions about the company, different, you know, reviews or you, I've actually, I've gone to reviews before and I would go to like Yelp or whatever. And I'd find reviews on a company because if you find reviews where maybe, I mean, no company's perfect. No company's going to have hundred percent every review. But if you find like a consistency in some of the reviews that like more communication would be great, this would be awesome. I would pull a screen recorder and show the reviews, especially if I'm talking to someone that that pertains to, where it's like, hey, in your role, I'm sure you know about these. And of course, you know, there's always two sides to every story. 
but if you use video, could you help defuse some of those? And I would try to try it into a story and a reason, a path of how we could help solve whatever I'm finding. Yeah, I love that, dude. There's so much empathy in your approach there too. It's so disarming. Hey, I know you probably already see this stuff. You're probably on top of it. There's two sides to every story. I mean, that right there is so much like empathy and thinking about, you know, with like sports, I always like to use fitness, you know, as kind of an analogy for this. If you're, because you're, yeah, you're a personal trainer. If you're a personal trainer and you go up to someone that's like <laughs> out of shape and overweight and you say, hey, dude, you look like you could use a personal trainer. They're going to tell you yeah, to F off. Yeah, man. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of the equivalent of what we do when we're prospecting sometimes where it's like, hey, you look like you got this big glaring problem and you're not fixing it, <laughs> doofus. Uh, you should use our solution to, you know, that's, that's kind of the equivalent of how we prospect. Yeah. So you talked about different job titles too. So these more, you know, Skip Miller wrote a book called Selling Above and Below the Line. He calls it mm. Above the Line. You know, if you kind of, you know, look horizontally, the power line, yep. you know, VPC level, more strategic and thinking versus, you know, director, manager and below more tactical. Correct. How did you think about the messaging for a VP versus maybe someone that was more like a champion or influencer, like a manager? Yeah. Let's say, how did you, how did you think about your messaging between the two? So like when I'm talking to a practitioner, I talk to him as like, Hey man, I get it. I am in your exact shoes. I know what's going on. Like you have a way to connect there because every BDR knows that there's activities, there's no's, there's grinding. I need emails opened. Everybody knows that. That's not a secret. That's not a mystery. And that's the one thing that we'll always be trying to solve. Because if we could get 100% open rate, fantastic, right? I mean, that would be that would be just unheard of. But like, so when I'm reaching out to a practitioner, I'm talking to them as a use case. And I'm bringing up pain points that I know that they have because I experienced them myself. Hey, I was just curious. Hey, I know that you're reaching out to people on LinkedIn and stuff like that. Have you ever considered using video like this? I used it the other day and these are the kind of responses I got. I'm getting tons of replies. You know, how is LinkedIn prospecting working for you? And I don't tell them that they need video because one, I'm reaching out to them with video so they get to see it in action. Two, I'm just asking about their process. Are you finding success here? Like, what are you doing to combat this? I mean, I have the same problem. Like, what are you doing? And so now if they give me ideas, I can give ideas back and like, wow, what's this video? And you start that conversation that way on a use case basis of like, how can I make your day-to-day -day easier? How can I help you make more money? How can I help you as an individual set more appointments or make more connections or answer questions easier? If I'm talking to a CS department, how do I help you, you know, one ticket close, those kinds of things versus... If I'm talking to a VP, how is your team operating? What is your, what, do you know like what your conversion rates are for your team? How are we trying to combat the overall sales, you know, goals? So I talk more at the high level when I'm talking to a VP, you know, what are your reps doing? What is your team doing? Have you considered doing this? If we could improve every rep by this amount, what is that going to do for the entire organization? How much more revenue are you bringing in as a whole? What kind of impact does that have on your day-to-day -day now that your whole sales team is doing more, right? Those kinds of things. And I try to bring it back to, I'm looking at an organization, an overall goal versus if I'm reaching out to an individual, I want to help you achieve your goal. I want to help you hit your quota. I'm more worried about that versus... I'm not going to go talk to a practitioner, man, the sales number as a whole, they don't care about the overall, they want to hit their quota and that's what they're concerned about. So you tailor it to what they need in their day to day and what I feel as makes sense for them. Love it, man. 
before we kind of talk a little bit more about your experience now as an AE, anything else as a BDR that's like kind of quick hitting stuff that you're like, hey, because you asked this question, you said, if you could do it over again, what would you do differently? And another variation of that question is, you know, if you could go back knowing what you know now and give yourself advice, you know, your first week as a BDR, is there anything like that that comes up for you? Learn as much as you can. Like that will always be number one. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is power. If you know, like it, learn, yeah. do as much as you can. Second, don't be afraid of the dirty work. You know, one of my favorite accounts that I had to work for was like, you know, something that's been in the works for a long time, but we never got it like to where we needed for this final conversation. So I ended up going online to their individual website, searching state by state, finding offices in each state, handwriting the leaders out of that because you couldn't find them elsewhere to then import them to do all this extra work just because I'm trying to get up the ladder to the right person. And I went state by state. It took me days, hours, months. I, it took me forever, but I got through it. And in the end, you get connected to the right person who gets you into a bigger meeting, which leads to a lot, you know, and it ended up getting into this big group meeting and like stuff like that. And so I think just don't be afraid of the dirty work. Take your time when learning about a prospect or client. You know, yes, activities are a huge thing to hit, but I can do, you know, a thousand activities and just hope for something, or I can take a hundred well-calculated activities and have a better idea of what's going to be the outcome from these activities. And so, you know, kind of balancing that structure is something that I had to work on really hard when I first started, you know, I was activities, get it done. I had to get my number, get my number, get my number, but I wasn't getting the results I wanted. So I had to slow down, become more focused. And that is what got me to where I still had high activities, but I, I wasn't worried about my activities. They take care of themselves. I'm doing what I need to do to make connections and start conversations. Love it. So uh, lastly here, I'm curious because you've, you know, the people that listen to this podcast are, you know, they're selling everything from enterprise, mid-market to stuff that's pretty transactional. Mm-hmm. And you've kind of spent your career so far kind of between the mid-market and transactional type of stuff, it sounds like. Yeah. What's been the differences between the two in terms of how you approach selling and prospecting and that sort of thing? Oh, man. So, I mean, really, when I'm in the mid-market space, I feel like the conversations get more in-depth. People, there's more minute details that you're worried about. How do I onboard a team? How do I, like, what kind of support do we have? What does this integrate into our tools? Like, what is the secure? Like, there's just a lot more that goes into that conversation. So the timeline of getting from A to B is just longer. It's more of a, like, step-by-step, we kind of pick away. Whereas in, you know, this transactional space, it's more, how can I help? Let's get you going. This is how you use it. I feel more of like a like a guide. Hey, this is what you want to do. Perfect. Let me teach you how to do this. Let me guide you through this process. Let me help you understand. Does that fit all your needs? Do you understand all of this? Great. Let's get this ball rolling. And you're done with that. Whereas with mid-market and enterprise, I feel like it's more, yes, I want to be the guide, but I have to show my expertise first. This is the reason you should be following us. This is the reason you should listen to what we have to say. So there's more of like a setup to getting to that conversation versus someone coming in and going, I need your help. I don't understand. And so I think that's kind of like the biggest difference is your positioning of I'm already the guide. Let me help you versus this is why we're the guide. This is why we can help. Is it okay if we can be a part of your process and being able to have that kind of conversation there? 
is the approach, at least for me, that I take. Yeah. And another element that I really just believe in that you shared too is the permission-based you know, element where it's like, hey, uh, you know, if we're going to have this conversation, you just like, I need to approach this in a way that makes it easy for you to accept my help, which is way different than me coming in and saying, like, you know, you made some of these references earlier around like, I know I could help you. We're the best solution out there. If you're not using ours, you're an idiot, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Before we take off here, is there like, what advice do you have for SDRs, BDRs that want to you know, sort of make the leap like you have to AE? Hit your numbers. Numbers don't lie, right? And that goes back to sports. That's something my coaches have always told me. Film doesn't lie. Well, in sales and business, numbers don't lie. Yep. You can say anything that you want to say, but in the end, they're going to go back and look at your numbers. What did you actually do? And so, I mean, that's always, that's been my pushing and motivator. Like I'm a goal person. If you tell me I need to hit X, I'm going to hit X. Now, how do I get to that? Well, I make that plan when I need to make that plan. But like, that is my goal. That is what I'm going to go for. So I would honestly say set goals and set them higher than you think you can achieve. If you aim for something, you know, you're going to hit. Is that really a goal? That's just an objective. Like that's just something that needs to happen. So like if you're setting a goal, Set it just outside of what you think you're going to be able to do. Do your projections, shoot for a little bit more. And having that extra little push every single time. And once you hit that, go for a little bit more. You know, I was like, I set a record for this. All right, now I want to beat my own record. And like those kinds of things, just to keep yourself motivated, because it is a grindy role. It takes time. You know, there's a lot of objection in it. So you have to get caught up in the good. You have to get caught up in the good conversations, learn from the ones that you didn't, you know, win and ask why. I've been so I've had people where I go through a whole campaign and people tell me to leave them alone. And I send one more video. Hey, this is my last video. I'm not going to reach out anymore. What could I have done better to start this conversation? Now, do all of them respond to me? No. But I have gotten a few people that give me honest, valuable pointers on, hey, you could have made a shorter video. You could have done this. Cool. Now I know. So like, again, I have no fear in asking because, I mean, someone's learned it already. So why do I need to go through the whole process of, of trying to figure it out when I can ask someone and they can tell me exactly what I need to know? So, um, you know, those would be some of the biggest things. Ask questions, learn and like grind. <laughs> oh, dude, I love it. This is killer. Before you take off, tell people a little bit more. Like, how can they connect with you? How can they learn more about Bomb Bomb? Yeah, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Mitch Pelroy. You guys can shoot me an email at mitch.pelroy at bombbomb.com. I mean, you guys can reach out at any point in time. Always open to connect. I try to send the video to all my connections. It doesn't always happen, but I do try to. And so, yeah, you guys can find me on there. Shoot me a quick message. If you have any questions, we'll gladly answer them and we can take conversation from there, really. That was a fun one. Mitch was such a cool guy to talk to. I really love, again, like that word I would use is like tenacity. The dude is just a voracious like learner. One of the books he recommended I think is really important to that book, Play Bigger. I added it to my reading list. But if you're a salesperson, not even necessarily have to be like a younger salesperson, but if you are realizing that, hey, the executives I'm talking to, I'm not really able to have those business conversations with them and you're looking to improve your business acumen, I definitely would recommend checking out that book. So thanks for tuning in and checking out the show today. Again, if you're looking for more bite-sized prospecting content and something that's maybe more like five to 10 minutes to consume that's really actionable you know, versus an hour-long interview like this, make sure to check out blissfulprospecting.com slash Jason and I'll send that one pager over to you. 
and I think you're really gonna like it. It's got all kinds of stuff in there around how to open your cold calls, cool intros you can use, how to personalize cold email frameworks and that sort of stuff. So make sure to check it out, blissfulprospecting.com slash Jason, and we'll see you next time.